Welcome to the 15th episode of the New Models Podcast. Today, we are thrilled to bring you a conversation with theorist and philosopher Benjamin Bratton. Bratton is a program director at Strelka, professor of visual arts at UC San Diego, a visiting professor at SciArt, and teaches at the European Graduate School in Switzerland. He's published numerous works, most notably The Stack, which our listeners should be familiar with. We're between studios right now, so this episode was recorded in our apartment in Berlin before Bratton's talk with Armin Avanesian at the Volksbühne. Watch your brain. The scope of this conversation is huge. Let's get into it. Benjamin is in Berlin this weekend because he's giving not one, but two talks at the Volksbühne with Armin Avanesian. Um, they have some projects that they're doing together with Merva Verlag. So look out for those publications that will be coming out maybe in the next year or... Uh, or? Hopefully sooner than that. Yeah, okay. Within a year, I hope. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I wonder if maybe you could open by giving us overview that. Yeah, sure, a brief yeah, yeah. overview of how you see things now, um, yeah. like what that landscape looks like. Sure. So, I mean, for any listeners who are not, I mean, many of your listeners may not understand the stack thesis in general, but for those who don't, I mean, basically the argument is that we can understand planetary scale computation uh, not as one giant, you know, sort of one thing, but as split between a number of different layers and all the different kinds of things that we might see for smart cities or cloud computing or Internet of Things or robotics. We actually can sort of understand them as sort of forming a kind of coherent whole, uh, an accidental megastructure. As we're moving into a more uh, multipolar geopolitical arrangement, these discrete hemispheres, increasingly discrete hemispheres of a North Atlantic region, Chinese, certainly Russian, are cohering around uh, increasingly isolated and count and weaponized and counter-weaponized domains. Now the thing is, is that the China stack and the US stack and the sort of territorial domain that these hemispheres would influence are sort of have the same have the same boundaries, uh-huh. right? And so you can sort of, you can see that the dynamic of the multipolarity of the geopolitics and the fragmentation of these stack systems as the same phenomenon. Uh-huh. There's a, they're increasing the same thing. And so the stack model, the kind of generic structure of the stack as described in the book, still holds. It's just kind of, there's been a kind of mitosis effect where now it's, that, that generic structure is now multiplied rather than being a, a single uh, entity. One thing we'd also like to ask you about, of yeah. course, is, is how as the pressures of the Anthropocene ramp up and we see climate change as something that is not just a, like a left liberal progressive cause, but is something that is being used by right-wing forces to mm-hmm. legitimize a certain xenophobic policy that you're going to see the stacks determine to do those issues in relation to those constraints. Yes, yeah, yeah, exa- sure. exactly. Yeah, yeah. And and how yeah. the I think you said something during your Hakave talk where you were like, if in 2016 we were concerned about how Facebook ended up altering the elections, it will now be how governments will end up altering uh, the Facebook altering uh, Facebook. The Facebook yeah, yeah, the, gov- exactly. the government yes. meddling in Facebook elections <laughs> exactly. becomes more becomes as big of an issue. Yeah. Way. How yeah. is this different than just a reversion to Cold War dynamic though? Because it just sounds like there's simply certain, that, yeah, and even the same geographic lines. I think there's right. parallels. I, I think there are parallels with the, with certain kinds of Cold War dynamics. You know, certain kinds of antagonistic multipolar arrangements are, are in themselves uh, not new. I think maybe one of the things that is new is the role of how the production of data as a kind of baseline 
sovereign substance defines the structures of this. But one of the things I thought you, you see with the Huawei controversy in the U.S. a lot is that the concern about how a Chinese infrastructural arrangement, it's not just that they're buying from Huawei and not buying from Cisco or Qualcomm, is that this equipment is producing data about the information and connections and economies that are running through this equipment, and, right. that, and that this data that's then produced becomes part of the Chinese model. What, what is the end goal of amassing all this data, and what's the incentive to protect it as well? The significance of the data that's gathered and the comprehensiveness of the data that's gathered, again, has to do with the development of a model that is used to both describe and in turn govern the world that that model models. Right. The model of the world is not only something description, it in fact becomes the device and instrument through which governance works. And so there's a kind of recursive process here, where there's a, a, a gathering and organization of the data. This produces a comprehensive model. That simulation has a kind of recursive capacity to determine and structure the thing that it's describing. Right. right. There's other ways in which these are not separate. We can talk, which right. goes to this question of these, some of these, the climate questions. Yeah, I was well, going to say about AR. I mean, this is the question of AR, right. baseline realities. Yeah. Right, there's not, I mean, this is what I'm saying. It can't really hold that there can be competing models of things. There is one, like, I, the world is not hemispheric. The climate system is not hemispheric. So, mm-hmm. I mean, right. uh, yeah, yep. I don't think this, but yeah, eventually there will be, a, this is a competition between these two models and oh, sure. one will succeed, most well, likely. Yeah, no, I should also make it clear, I'm not advocating for, I'm not advocating oh, yeah, for the hemisphere, the sort of hemisphere dynamic, but you're right, the relationship with this, with the, to the climate modeling is really, is I think really interesting. I mean, the history of the sort of modeling of the world through gathering and organizing massive amounts of information and producing simulations that are predictive and projective all comes from climate modeling. It doesn't come from advertising. Right, exactly. That it did later on, right? The the, the application of this within advertising dynamics comes much later uh, around this as well. But you're beginning to already see sort of competitions around who has access to whose climate data in the rest of of this as well. But I mean, I think we agree. I mean, at the the end of the day, you know, to your question about like, where is this sort of all going? uh, In a way, it's about... And this maybe connects with some of the more recent work around AI. These are ways in which a planet comes to understand itself. The ways uh-huh. in which literally a, a planetary system comes to re- produce patterned abstractions about its own processes right. that can be used to, in fact, in a certain way, determine or steer those, those those processes. The fact that we subdivide our understandings or you know these mechanisms yeah. of this according to these territorial divisions that produce, on the one hand, partial views, right. and on the other hand, just mul- multiple views, I, I think has to be seen. I think as you're as you're suggesting, as a kind of interference in a in, in this sort of baseline baseline reality. But that's interesting to think about it as a developmental stage, a planetary developmental stage of coming to know itself. It is. It's like yeah. adolescence or something. Yeah, we are absolutely a bootloader species for yeah. whatever comes next. Right. Yeah. There's, there's, yeah. There's, I, have no doubt, I have no doubt about that. Sure, and so, right. the, and so this particular moment, the Anthropocene may be a much shorter period than we, we, we think. Yeah, right, right. It's a, maybe sort of a thin layer of this kind of transition. But, I mean, one thing about the climate model that I think is interesting here is, is I'm, I'm on a panel next week at Art Basel with Trevor Paglin, and we're talking about okay. surveillance in yeah. as well. And I happen to think that the, the, no, the term surveillance and the notion of everything is surveillance is a kind of very, over, very overly inflated concept, yeah. um, to, to say the least. But the kind of climate modeling systems that we're suggesting are ones in which we're identifying different kinds of carbon flows or energy flows and so forth and so on, is itself a surveillance mechanism. Totally. Uh, the whole course. thing is yeah, a surveillance mechanism. So the idea, I would go so far as to say that the very notion of climate change itself is itself an epistemological result 
huh. of this planetary oh, scale surveillance, surveillance yeah, mechanism that has come from the come from this Cold War era into the into the 1950s. It's so there's not there's the first question: of How could planetary scale computation be used to deal with climate change, or how will climate change affect it and make it more or less possible? And then there's also just this primary things like the, the notion of climate change itself is an effect of. Yeah. It is an effect of this apparatus. The, the right. notion itself does not exist right. unless we are able to produce these comprehensive models that would tell us so. Right. I think of like China's social credit score. I mean, you can easily imagine this just massive system where every person is continually nudged. I mean, I guess you could direct it to trying to mitigate some climate disaster functions. That may be where certain things end up, but it may be, it would end up in that way to the extent to which we understand these problems and then try to deal with these problems as aggregates of individual human behavior. Yeah. Right. Yeah. If we think right. about carbon and energy flows and as an accumulation of individual consumer choices, you have to sort of nudge these individual consumer choices. Right. I, I happen to think that in a certain way, like the effects you really have to do at a much more fundamental infrastructural level, but tra- transforming transforming, and we have this system now that basically we're expending huge amounts of energy into the atmosphere and it's never, it's not being recaptured in some sort of way. Honestly, what you or I, you know, what, what individuals do at a consumer level structure, this is, is really incidental. Right. Well, so, right, so I, right. I think it, I mean this also I think is part of the fragility of these kind of of these sort of social credit nudge systems. Right. Is that they're mismodeling the problem. As opposed to individual nudging, are there, are there other kinds of governance structures or, mm. or interfaces, maybe to use your terminology if that's mm. the right application mm. of it? Like what would a more effective, if we're even going for a more or less effective, I mean, used well, to say. Of course you have to like, stop growth, first of all. I mean, it seems like, like degrowth is like the really thing to prioritize. It's a sweeping right? macro like, base level change of everything, I think, to actually prevent climate change, right? I, more than even, more than more than this. Yeah, but I feel like you're saying that like, well, yeah, the Anthropocene is going to be a brief period. So whatever, it's not a system for controlling humans. It's like the planet is becoming conscious. That's right. the end, that's the end state of through us. Through us, right. of no, course. I, I also make this case. It's not some sort of like Gaia New Age sort of thing. It's no, like, right. of course. You know, like one of the things that the Earth did over this period of time was to produce this. You know, it, it it folded matter in just a particular way that it, in the form of primate brains. <laughs> right, sure. They were able to. <laughs> they, they were able onwards. to fold. The, and these this particular fold of matter was able to produce forms of abstraction, right. like how old the planet is and things right. like this. And so it's not like our our anthropogenic interventions are something that is on top of the planet. They right. are themselves the that that's essentially it's all our 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 intelligence is a geologic phenomenon. Yeah, absolutely. In, in the yeah, in the first list, so I would yeah. I, I would. I, you maybe finish your point. Oh, finish I'm just saying that yeah, there's some like teleological purpose to to this, and that like whatever social control. Maybe that this is like this is such a brief period that it's almost like yeah. That's not that's not necessarily good news though. No, obviously news. not. No, no train but, crashes don't take very long. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, but I guess this is a thin strata or something like that geologically yeah. potentially, yeah. and um, but that you know the intelligence yeah. could remain just not a biosphere. Um, or it mixed. It's yeah. all, but I would say that it's really always mixed. Right. right. I mean, I think the distinct. I mean, some of it maybe I can. We can talk a little bit about it, some understanding different notions of the artificial, which I think will suggest is we get to this ways in which this the carbon non carbon this intricate dynamic is not a right. novel phenomenon. It's really something that's always been there that perhaps contemporary circumstances have made more clear. Yeah. But but to your point about the degrowth and the rest as well, to speak to this, I, I, people, we all have different ideas of kind of what that would mean, right? Like what is are we talking about is growing or, or, or not growing? I, I think it's very clear that just the basic idea that by maximizing gross domestic product for its own sake and bringing, trying to bring as much energy out of the 
you know, to liberate energy from, from the, and, and just expend it, expend it wildly in this sort of bataille and yeah. uh, uh, yeah. is, uh, isn't, isn't going to work. But I, I guess the sort of, it's not a term that I use sort of love because I guess I'm not, I'm not so sure myself. It's like, what are we meaning about what, what it would be growing or not growing? And is it, is it sort of, I would guess what you say is that it's not just about stopping putting more energy into the, into the environment. We also have to figure out how to pull energy back out of the environment that we've already, that we've already put in here in, in one way or another. And I also think is in many cases the issue right now is not just like less carbon less energy the real problem in, in many cases is that the the systems that we're building we're tuning and aiming at them at incredibly stupid things the planetary scale apparatuses by which we would need to you know in some sort of way govern carbon and energy flows and and part of this question is i think that the shift towards the different kinds of governance is it may be less about governing individual hominids right. than it is about governing biochemistry uh-huh. more, more, more directly. And certain uh, flows or Yeah, certain and certain flows which may have to do with pricing it, may have right. to do with organized indexing it and modeling it in, different, in, in other kinds of... And the in, individuals it, are then incidental in that process in no, a sense, we're, not, not, we're not incidental but it's just, it's, it's one in which the, that the, the object of the governing interest is somewhere else, right. I guess, which is it. Yeah. But so, I mean, we still have, still have a certain degree of agency within this. That's not... Right. That's not the, I really appreciate this yeah. macroscope. It's not about nations states, it's not about even individuals, it's about like the, the planet's own intelligence and sort of where it's its own trajectory and us being a geological phenomenon within it. Or, But I guess, you know, since we are humans and we do have this obligation to try to take care of our own, I think that one of the reasons underlying this drive towards degrowth is to mitigate pain. And to, we think that if we deaccelerate a little bit, then it will be more manageable. I mean, is that, do you think that's just like to make us feel good and that that's not even really a useful framework? Or no, I, I guess I would just be more specific. Yeah, I just I would be more specific about it. I mean, to, for me personally, the sort of accelerate, decelerate dynamic also seems to me too low res <laughs> right. uh, as a way of describing yeah. this thing. Because like some things, I think we need to radically decelerate, and some things I think we need to accelerate. And uh, the problem is that we're using the stack system for such inane, right. inane yeah, things. Right? Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the carbon and energy cost of cat videos. Totally, yeah. And, and, and this is spam like, emails. Yeah. Spam emails. Like, yeah. This sort of things. It's 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 it, these are the, it, there's it, certain sense that it needs to be a sort of a shifting and understanding around this sort of work. Right. You know, and it's uh, at the end of the day, it's you know, it's it's not this. It's not the science that's expensive. In the, in the carbon, <laughs> it's culture. Good point. Human self expression. Yeah. Is is the expensive. That's right. Thing is right. And, and 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 so this is also one of ways which I would at least frame my answer to the question that you just yeah. asked about the, about the sort of the affect of this yeah. is 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 within that within that context. An interesting corollary. There was an article that again this this question of okay climate climate policy is now something that the right has embraced, and one of the key points was the real like disaster. Environment, I mean the sort of environmentalism, the sort of greens. I mean this yeah. goes back to a right wing ideology. Of course, from, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Lay, 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 Lay's reform or whatever. Yeah, or blood and soil. Yeah, right. And this is into yes, and the overlaps in some cases between the left and the right yeah. around these issues of like the groundedness and authenticity of place, right, and so forth and so on. Right, I mean, is, is 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 one in which the left-right dynamic is really problematically overlapping. Marine Le Pen said, "Those who are nomadic do not care about the environment. They have no homeland." That's like Marine right. Le Pen's. That's I mean, that, and I that mean, is this like that's you know, about fascist, very crypto anti-Semitic yeah, stuff. There, yeah, yeah. oh yeah, yeah, it is diaspora people. Yeah, it absolutely is. But you can also imagine decolonial theorists saying the same thing. That's true. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's, that's a really yeah. That's I mean, right. well, this is I, I want to bracket that for one second because I want to make this one point that is a corollary where the real disaster. 
disaster or horror of rapid climate change is not necessarily the hurricanes or the fires, although those things, of course, have individual impacts. It's how different nation states or let's say hemispheric st stacks will deal with responding to the the pressures that their society has and that that's where the real poorly. horror will be. Yes, yeah, yeah. for sure. I mean, it seems yeah. like it's almost, it's just like very fundamentally a crisis of values in the sense of we don't know how to value carbon. We don't know what values are like important. We don't know how to evaluate these things. And like, yeah, maybe these systems, that is like maybe the best we can accomplish with these surveillance or informational systems is like a better way of accounting and valuing carbon. And a different economics. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, well, I, I would go this. I mean, there's values in the valence of like an ontology of value within an economics. Like yeah. what, what is it, what, is it labor? Is it gold? Right. Is like what yeah. is the sort of yeah. the yeah. reference sure. logic right. of value yeah. within this as well? And so I, I totally think we probably agree that a, that a very different form of, of economics right. yeah. is absolutely necessary in order for this, whatever schemes my students employed in actually able to enforce themselves. That right. nearly dealing with this only at the scale of legislation right. or only at the scale of a sort of like change in personal values may not be sufficient right. in this way. And so I guess the way that I would, I guess there's a different way of thinking about the, the political there would be, you know, there's one model of politics that sort of goes that you, you, you develop a kind of affirmative conception of what should happen. You identify people who are avatars <laughs> of, the, of, of those values. Yeah. They, those avatars will assemble and they'll write down words on pieces of paper, <laughs> which, 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 will then, which will then eventuate into the, the allowance of funds, which will then eventuate in something, a kind of right. material transformation in atmospheric biochemistry way, way down the line. And right. the presumption is that, that, this sort of, that, this is the chain, that this is sort of the chain of direction right. that is most As opposed to. And I guess I would say we need to sort of cut to <laughs> yeah. the end in having less, less arguments about the kind of shadow play, superstructural shadow play right. of whether or not the, the, the avatars that we're investing our hopes and dreams in are, are the right ones. Right. I mean, I wonder, the, like, the biggest film in Chinese, China's history, Wandering Earth, is yeah. a sci-fi film about a massive planetary-scale geoengineering project to move Earth to a different star. But I wonder if, as opposed to the sort of American uh, space apartheid, <laughs> like the American sort of escape to colonize yeah. Mars narrative, if China may does actually is thinking more in, in an intention of apt, like kind just of terraforming the whole. Well, just but at least like a planetary. <laughs> there's, like, a command, there's a command structure there. Massive, right. Yeah, yeah. When you think of Belt and Road, when you think about the new colonization, I mean, won't it be via stack? So like you take an economically weaker part of the world with an economically stronger one and you say, here's Huawei, here's our here's our networking system, here's our yeah, here's our stack, here's our AR. Well it becomes part of China. And it becomes right. part of it's China. Africa becomes part of Absolutely. China. And, and, and this is where yeah, but I think you're I I I follow your point. Yeah, I follow I mean, the gist of your point quite, quite well. I, I think that you know one of the things the the West we have lots of models. We don't have any really mechanisms to enforce any of these. Yeah. And, and China has, I mean, all of the problems that are attendant with here as well. There's a there's a capacity to basically enact and enforce decision, whether it's at the political or technical infrastructural scale. And again, there's all of the pros and cons that attendant right. to this. Well, I'm not arguing so for the show, but right. but the, but the basic idea is like, is there going to be some sort of mechanism that is some sort of means by which you can, you know, model this condition, identify some sort of ways in which it work, and actually act upon it. It may look more like like what we would think of as a command economy than a 
uh, right. know, uh, an anarchist collective. Well, I mean, I think the I mean, like okay, there's like a, a good example of just the limitations of that of this kind of top-down mechanism is like the the green wall that they've built and with oh. the the massive reforestation thing, right? Like, no, the no, Gobi no. Desert and it's doesn't completely work. failing. Doesn't oh, work. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm not suggesting that these all work. <laughs> no, no, of course. But I just <laughs> think that it's a really like, good illustration of like of how to work the, that. There's like a sense of dealing with this at the scale. U.S. Yeah. doesn't do that stuff anymore. No, exactly. They don't right. do it at all. But Russia and of course, did. That's yeah. what we were talking about before. Russia did have in earlier in the 20th century they were doing this kinds of these kind of right, nation sure. nation well, building and the, and the US was scale initiatives too, of course last Panama century. Canal yeah the, for example Hoover yeah. <laughs> but, but 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 I would the one thing I, before we go we continue with the geoengineering thing I would want to say is is I I have a kind of maybe a, a bit of idiosyncratic notion of what geoengineering means where it's not only weather modification or you know moving Wyoming somewhere <laughs> else or these big giant sort of things as well to me, geoengineering really refers a sort of scale of design, right? Uh-huh. And so, keeping the Amazon rainforest intact because it, because it's the best negative emissions technology that we have—that's right. also geoengineering. Sure, right, this is right, right. okay. Right, right. Uh, and so, it's really like policy, just yes, like global scale policy. Yeah. Yes, it's an understanding of the scale of the scale right. by which this would work, and 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 thinking about whether it's technical, whether it's policy, whether it's an intervention or subtraction, or or, or a drawing a line around something. And basically, we're not. Going there, these are all geoengineering. So, like Ed, Edward o. Wilson, Edward Wilson's Half Earth yeah. thesis, where like we need to consolidate all right. the people into, right. into increasingly intensified little areas and let the rest sort of yeah. recover. That's also geoengineering. That's also geoengineering. Can, can you say unless you wanted to say something? Well, I was just oh. going to say it, since I, I don't anticipate we'll ever stop capitalist growth. I mean, geoengineering or biological does growth present right. a way to at least throw a bunch of money into something and try to mitigate some of the climate issues. But of course, I think it only can operate in a like right in China or somewhere with enough top down initiative to work on it because in the states things get too flattened and people they don't have the scope awareness to actually get behind and make something like this happen. Because, uh, and I think there ends up being a, a, a connotation of these as being kind of techno fixes. Like there'll be yeah, some sort of device. Or right. it's, it's not part of a larger comprehensive understanding of this. But again, right. I would just sort of, un, I would underscore this, the discussion around geoengineering should also include these kind of passive applications around, right. around this as well, yeah, as, opposed, super, as, as opposed to this sort of, yeah, important yeah. point. But speaking of the like, command economy, whatever, I just think there was what is this book that uh, Matt Dryhurst was just talking about, the People's Republic of Walmart, oh, right, right. where yeah, like Lee increasingly, yeah, 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 of course, like yeah. within America, most of the dominant companies are command economies, yeah, yeah. Amazon, right. Walmart, Facebook, etc. So I think like maybe there's more cultural room for that type of structure within American culture than we give credit to. Actually. Yeah, it may be that it's, it's, it's maybe it's Google. Yeah, maybe the American, maybe more likely the American actor. But right. I, I guess to the point, one of the things about you know that book that, and I've talked to Lee a little bit about this, and you know the way it, t- it ties back to some of the earlier thing from whether in Chile or the Soviet Union or, or these other sort of attempts, they are economic. This about economics, yeah. right? And it's really in many cases about pricing and price signals, right? Mm-hmm. And the ability to actually generate, for, have a mechanism that can sense supply and demand and can sense different kinds of uh, different kinds of activity can produce models of what is the most likely thing to happen to make this projected right. models so that you're producing a price signal Amazon really is all Amazon is right it's a facilitation mechanism but really what Amazon yep. produces is a price <laughs> right yeah, price is right it there. does okay right. and so to this question about a different kind of economics around this like and what is the price signaling is right. the price signaling just demand or is the price signaling some un- underlying more intrinsic mm. real cost and value right. Yeah, this is what I meant with the crisis of valuation. This this gets interesting very very quickly. Like, how do what values inform our valuation? So 
things. What yeah. values inform valuation? That's right. And what underlying right. and what other and what underlying realities are sort of persist regardless of what values we project on it? Yeah. Like what you know, the amount of carbon, the amount of gold, the amount of everything. These there's a certain sort of like resistance to social construction that may be something we want to you know, embrace. I mean, it, it, it's, it is its own form of intelligence in a way. I mean, it is, it's not exactly like artificial intelligence, but it is a kind of like it meta is. intelligence. It is a kind of, of artificial intelligence. And so and there's, I, no, there's, yeah. no, there's no doubt that this is a kind right. of artificial intelligence. And, and corporations have been a kind of artificial intelligence. States have been a kind of artificial intelligence. Right. States as an information sensing, gathering, organizing, index, Absolutely. and enforcing yeah. mechanism. Is it, they are a form of AI for sure. I mean, because yeah. intelligence really is just a result of complexity at a it's certain a point, network, right? And you look so at like global capitalism. That's that that's is a form like, of intelligence. I think it's, it's, at this point, it's like an autonomous AI that's actually controlling human hosts to do its its bidding. Oh, multiple, yeah. multi, multiple competing. Yeah, 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 yeah right. It's, dumb, it's, dumb it, AI. it's already breeding humans too. Oh, it is. I mean, that's what Tinder is. Yeah. Oh, it, 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 it's true. It's so totally. It's totally. Yeah. Algorithms, algorithms, algorithms breeding. Games, right. Yeah. I mean, that's also like the Bill Hulchan's. Like, you know, what the what what these networks make you do is they force you to. They don't oppress you by keeping you from speaking your mind. They force you to speak your mind so that you can further their function. Exactly. Right. That's we're, their. We're, and this is the compulsion. Right. right. I mean, this this is exactly. the, this is the part of the Zizek's that I actually yeah. agree with. Um, but it also goes to like some of the critique of surveillance. Yeah. That, that uh, Trevor and I will talk about. Oh, the yeah. sort of like oppression thesis is around this. Yeah. But, yeah. but you're, you're, you're totally right. Yeah. We talk about this. Some yeah. people we just call them, we're like, oh, yeah, that person's like a total host. It's like right. the way they <laughs> act is just like so inhuman. It's just always doing the bidding of some larger. Capitalist uh, intelligence NPC, but I guess host is maybe now. This is the non-stigmatized way we can call people NPCs. NPCs follow in anybody or anything. I feel like you know if you ever engage with like CEOs or something, it's like everything is scheduled. Like everything is so calculated. All the actions are just purely for the growth quarter and quarter. Well, yeah, they just it's become like the executive function. Right, of the they body literally of the are just the interface between the intelli- the, the right, intelligence the of the corporation and the People, physical space yeah. and human space. Yeah, yeah. Right? It's um it's like the I mean the reptilian conspiracy theory is actually like kind of true. It's also it's true. just the <laughs> reptilian <laughs> the, the, the reptile brain is really just kind of the cap, uh, capitalist AI. Well, I want to maybe talk about exclusion zones also. Oh, yeah. I was thinking about it. First of all, you've recently been to Fukushima, and yeah. um, that's obviously relevant in this context. But um, to bridge it to what we were speaking about before, also how AR might function here, because that will be keyed to a certain hemispheral stack, um, more or less. You'll have maybe, a certain yeah. phone, you have a Huawei phone, you have an Android, or you have an Apple phone, or whatever, and yeah. you have certain capacities, and you'll have certain... Which are already a kind of AR. Which are already, right? right? Yeah, yeah. And you'll yeah. have, exactly, I mean, yeah, of course, like heads up displays will increasingly be a thing, but yeah. but no, just, I, just the fact I, that no, like I, I what shows up in your yeah, map, yeah. right? Yeah. And like so I guess a question this also would relate to a question of rewilding. And will there be will there be a way that AR uh, that's separated by hemispheral stacks. Yes. Will that and like you said, you have this recursive situation where the the map makes the reality, yes. right? And right. so if it's out not on the map, it doesn't exist. So mm-hmm. Maybe 
after having been to Fukushima and been to a very material ecological exclusion zone, and then seeing these different regions form within these hemispherical stacks, do you see some potential in AR providing a de facto exclusion zone, or do you? Or how yeah. do you see these things? Right, right, right. No, it's a really interesting question. So there's two parts as I hear one about the human exclusion zone, and the other around the AR and hemispherical yeah. stacks, and then the third one would be like how they might go together. Exactly. So the human exclusion zone research that we're doing with, with Shoko, we're kind of looking at trying to understand this as a already existing spatial typology, that there's human exclusion zones like in a factory where the workers are over here and the KUKA robots are over there and there's a cage in between and like this is a normative production site now that's based on this physical physical separation of the humans and the machines, all the way up to sort of automated agricultural dynamics where there's huge zones in a perimeter around the city that are populated mostly by robotics, huh. like, like like Mars is populated mostly by robots, you know, entirely by robots. A lot of farming in the U.S. is farming populated in the US, mostly by robotics. Yeah, mostly yeah. Like from landmass, a lot of the Netherlands is right. basically oh, right. a robotic landscape already. All the way up to things like what Bruce Sterling calls uh, involuntary parks, right. like, like Fukushima or, or Chernobyl or something. But then I guess the extra, extra large version would be like what I mentioned with Edward Wilson's Half Earth yeah. thesis. That's also a human exclusion right. zone. And so, kind of what we're looking at, like, is there, if by looking at the sort of small, medium, large, extra large, like, can we do a kind of a comparative human exclusion zone studies yeah. to understand, like, oh, what, what does right. this mean as a device to think about how we occupy occupy the space? And I think we also try to set this up in adjacency to a different phenomenon, which is not the se- not the specific separation of humans and automated systems, but the amalg- on the other hand, the amalgamation of humans and automated systems under other circumstances, right. where there's an, a much more intensive sort of, you know, imbrication and articulation of humans and, and uh, automated systems more generally. And so, like, how does it, we're seeing this exclusion as a dynamic and the, you know, intensification of the cyborgian condition right. at the same time. Right, right. right. And uh, how do one play off the other? So, now, with Fukushima, we were, we were looking at this in the human exclusion zone, but we were also, we've been also doing further research around around nuclear power as a sort of, as, and trying to understand a little bit, like, what its potential what its potential for us are, fourth generation systems for yeah. this as well. And to sort of, you know, and to see for ourselves. And one of the things we're also looking at is there's a difference often between objective risk and perceived risk. And, and in, in Fukushima, it's, I think, is a very interesting example of perceived risk and, the, and, the, and how perceived risk also can have these kinds of effects. Uh-huh. Right? The number of people who have died from direct exposure who are outside the plant when it sort of melted down is perhaps perhaps as high as eight in 30 years, who knows? But the number of people who died in the evacuation, all people pulled out of hospitals, car crashes, all the rest, is right. perhaps 2,000. Oh my oh, God! Wow! 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 wow right. right. The number of people who die every day by proximity to coal plants. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> of course. But the perception of risk around nuclear is completely different right. around this as well. And so this was also something we were kind of interested in. Now, let me move to the AR. AR is something I'm really interested in and I'm also quite worried about. I think that the danger of AR is that it works as a kind of subtitling of reality. It's one thing to sort of read like read a book and sort of understand, like, here's the commandments, and I'm going to concept- apply them to this particular circumstance, take from the general to the particular. But at the level of perception, that things are, are essentially pre-interpreted and identified for you as friend, enemy, mind, theirs, red team blue team or whatever, the capacity for forms of cognitive fundamentalism, where all the Abrahamic monotheisms will rush in, yeah. all the weird news, both sacred and secular. Yeah. This is something I think is like, it's not advertising that's the killer app of AR, it's, it's religion. Yeah, wow, wow, right. Now, the presumption that if you have a more circumscribed hemispherical stacks in this way, that there's a Chinese model, a North Atlantic model, and something like yeah. this as well, then then those kinds of what we submit early about the, the Galapagos ontologies or Potemkin ontologies uh-huh. of these models will become expressed at the level of the interface. They will become 
curtailed the level interface, right? I mean, it's a kind of direct, you know, you could call it ideology, but just kind of a direct expression of a certain kind of interpretive linguistic arrangement of the possibilities of, of interactions within this as well. And so that power to identify, nominate, address, and establish the relationships between things as how it is that the model governs what the model models. AR, I think, fits in here really clearly. I mean, I want to ask again more yeah. about the environment, but also when you think of migrancy and what migrancy will mean when yeah. you have these AR regimes. Migrancy. Like, yeah. yeah, if you're like a, you know, if you're a refugee from mm-hmm. one zone to another, like what it will mean to adopt a new system or to be integrated well, into a new system as or like to have soft borders, right? The, in a sense. And like, will the there st- be the this digital? Yeah. yeah, right. And mm-hmm. will there be a digital undercommons that will be like a gray zone that like you can port between stacks or overlaps between or overlaps them? Or overlaps between where, them. Where, where, where moving between one perceptual regime and another perceptual regime is not just like moving between Android and or even just moving between languages. It's like it's really moving between. A, a more fundamental social media platforms now have already changed people's cognition so much <laughs> you can't get really broader than that but just how people parse things are like this kind of like puritanical thought yes no and if x then y like humans thinking in algorithms instead of using heuristics it's more we, we we're starting to mimic the operations of the platforms yeah in different hemispheric stacks you can imagine even like very distinct forms of cognition emerging could totally agree I, I would even i would say that in certain sense that there's ways in which algorithms can produce indeterminacy and ambiguity. You can work in this way. Luciana Parisi's work around algorithms yeah. is yeah. fantastic on this. But the, the kind of binary if-then friend-enemy distinction is part of exactly what I'm talking about. And so you've imagined this not just at the level of a feed, but at really at the level of a, a physical embodied interaction with a habitat. This is where I'm worried AR goes. Okay, now to the to the human yeah. solutions zone, AR yeah. integration or disintegration yeah. here as well. I think maybe what I, I hear you should get is like, are there areas where the AR, where there's no AR and you're yeah. like thrown back yeah, into right. this? Yeah. One of the things I think we'll, we'll have to figure out is like, should AR systems become more pervasive? What will be the name for the non-AR reality? That we, <laughs> what, yeah. what will, we call, will we call it like real real or yeah. old real or off real or, or something? Whatever, real. whatever, whatever you want. To, yeah, what will, that, what will this off be? Off real, I like that. I don't know. Uh, right. But the idea of that as a, as a sort of rewilding, the, the yeah. idea of that as a, a wild space. Right. Wherever you are, by just those things, this is is an interesting idea. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like, what does cancellation look like in AR? I mean, I guess that is literally a Black Mirror episode where that yeah, <laughs> where it explores yeah. that. But of course, yeah. that is like the it's occlusion. Yeah, it's right. an occlusion. What the Black Mirror episode deals with is right. Well, it but is literally an occlusion. It's really yeah. like you cannot be seen, you can't or you, see can't, it, you yeah. can't see something. And so, like, if someone were to, example, obsessively block someone on their Twitter page, right? It's a basically a way in which to sort of like to produce like I can't see you, I can't be seen by right. you. In one way or another, but and to protect this sort of little zone. But I think that also speaks to this phenomenon of going back to the the cost of culture and the cost right. of self-expression. That the idea that the representation of one's persona is in fact the same thing as one's person and agency and persona, and that the policing of the representation, the policing of the model for its own sake. Yeah. For its own sake, is also part of this this neurosis. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. I mean, it, it's generally agreed that like the internet genie can't be put back in the bottle, I guess. But I, what I wonder is if there is a way we can push back on it taking primacy mm-hmm. in our sort of social political lives. Some of the fantasy of climate collapse seems to be wrapped up in this desire to assert this material, physical. I mean, that's a whole other thing about yeah. the collapse sort of thing. Whether or not this is collapse as like that would be the ideal state that we should have been in all the time anyway. Yeah. The sort of <laughs> Yeah, the right. sort of Unabomber yeah, thing, yeah, or this is a poetic justice for like what you know the, the punishment that right. you all deserve, sort of version of this as well. But I follow your point, sort of as well. I guess 
on the one hand, I, I, I totally agree with around the gist of this and, and how to deal with the cognitive pathologies of online culture as, as, a, as a really as, as like a matter of like a really serious, really really serious issue. Like we're not going to make it through this unless we sort of do this. Well. Right. Right. I would also the question like that's not all the internet. Like the right. the version of right. the internet. Right. 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 No, right. no, 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 that's important. Thing, but like, the like, version of the internet that we see ourselves reflected in is is this. But most of the internet is is it's infrastructural. It's moving right. things here Absolutely. and there. And so yeah. I think that that maybe shifting some of the tension away from the self-reflection and towards these infrastructural systems is also a way to deal with the internet in a way that's probably a little bit healthier. On a percentage basis, the internet that we see ourselves reflected in is like, what, 10%, would you say, or less even? Depends or, on how you measure it. Right. I mean, it's just, whether it's total amount of, you know, how much data oh, right, is produced, right, how much right, it flows right, right, around right, this as well. Right, but 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 the point right. is that it's tip of the iceberg. Yeah, and, yeah. and maybe many of the more interesting, this is why, yeah. to me, Amazon's more interesting than Facebook. Yeah, sure, of course. course. As yeah, all this going sure. forward, is that the infrastructural systems of how it is you organize it as well is more interesting than just like this sort of theater of, of self-presentation. Well, in a way, the crisis of Facebook was reaching its limit point as to, I mean, like what we saw in the past year was sort of human humans exceeding what Facebook could actually offer it in a way. I mean, Facebook broke down a lot of systems, but it sort of, we sort of ran the course with Facebook. We sort of pushed it to its limit. But mm -hmm. Amazon, I mean, we've only begun, it seems, to understand how that's going to reorganize us. We saw how Facebook, I mean, I'm you know, guessing Amazon's that moving into uh, building in terms of like making partnerships with like the biggest apartment building conglomerates, et cetera. And, uh, oh, like smart cities, well, you mean? Or, well, uh, millions of apartments are coming with Alexa oh, in right. the walls, like, you know? So <laughs> right. I, just, I think it's sort of like it was a competition between those types of stacks of like who had the most fundamentalist mission. So like Facebook is only to in mediate all social interaction. Google is all information, but like Amazon is matter itself, mm -hmm. and that's like maybe the price. most fundamental yeah. thing yeah. in price. I yes. think it's price. Right. I think right. that's really what they come down to. Mm. It's price. I mean, it's an economics. It's that's that's. I mean, at the end of the day, sure. sort of what do you, yeah. Right. But yeah, Google's Google's one step less fundamental. No, organize or all information. And is, is, I mean, this is it's more fundamental. It's a it's a big plan. That's a big plan too. Well, they all are, but I guess this is the question. I think it's a competition, and then Apple falls behind it. Not really. I mean, designing the world, designing. One, the of, the thing, one of the things we've been in, you know, some of the the groups in Google Research that we've been sort of talking to. I mean, they've had these two things. One is organize all the world's information for the users and make right. it useful for for this, and the other is this AI first. Of course. So, what does it mean when you put these together? Right. right? What, what does it mean to organize the information for an AI first circumstance? Right. Like, what's a user? What's right. Like, what's advertising for an AI? Right. Right. And of course, like Facebook <laughs> and Google are, are building separate models for AI. One is more socially, but has more social information, and right. one has less, I guess. Or with the Facebook general. one? Yeah, the Facebook one has is more more informed yeah. by social interactions. For, but, I would, one would assume. I would assume. Yeah. Based, on, based on the data, they're social issues. But right. go ahead. Thinking of like uh, Parisi's work on on the indeterminacy. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. also just like cognition and neuroplasticity in relation to these platforms. I, I don't believe it was really applied to the sort of emerging political, digital activism, cancel culture, etc. phenomenon, but could popularly the narrative really emerge and people actually start to realize that the social media platforms change the way on a cognitive level we're thinking, and actually is that a way to scale back a little bit of putting social media back, genie back in the bottle. There's, there has to be some awareness of that process. Right. I, I, for, for sure. The problem is, in many ways, is not that a media system is changing the way we think through the media system. 
I think that whether all media systems done this right. I mean, this this art it goes back to you know Plato's dialogues and Socrates' complaints about writing. You know, Friedrich Kittler's work is really all about the ways in which a particular system of technical mediation structures the possibilities yeah. of thinking yeah. and articulating through that system. So there's this general baseline structure. This as well. Now the problem is not that there is a transformation of of cognition through system of mediation, but that the one that we have, the form of transformation that's taking, is 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 one that is we. I would totally it would agree with you as pathological and multiple different dimensions. And so it may be that the way in which you actually transform the social media is to deal with it as a cognition machine and to understand it as a cognition machine and to think about the forms of what kinds of effects we would actually sort of would want to want to deal with. Right. But I think there would be no consensus with that as the issue. Like an awareness of that is one thing, but of no, course part, like but part of it also is because certain types of things that we might take as being pathological about the social are on other circumstances are taken to be like core values. Exactly. Right. Performativity. Right. Yeah. yeah. Self expression. Yeah. Yeah. You know, curtailment of, of speech in any sort of way. Yeah. The idea that like you're special and that you know anything that we can do to like make sure that your values and Opinions are amplified in a maximal way right. as a general good for you and for us. That's kind of the problem itself. Totally. So, I mean, also though, this idea with you know, don't don't like somebody, cancel them. Don't like the EU, uh, yeah. Brexit, cancel it. Don't like a politician. Right. Cancel well, it. I, I think this uh, cell phone, cancel it. This I think yeah. has to do with this. This one of the things that we're we as humans are really good at is producing model abstractions about possible futures. Right. Right. right? This in this kind of a prefigurative capacity that we have. And this is where in a way where math and art sort of come together, where they're both model abstractions about yeah. possible spaces and how they sort of work. What happens, I think, sometimes is we get lost in these models where right. we tend to sort of think that like the structuring, again, the sort of the structuring and curation and gardening and 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 perfection of this model abstraction is, is the way in which that model would actually change the real, yeah, right? And yeah. the, where the real gets lost and that it's all just an obsessive focus on, on this model abstraction. I think the way in which politics and art work together yeah. is also just more generally sort of part of this problem where it's less about how any of these kinds of remodeling of the world might produce actual change. It, it's just more to do with like the production of the model and the performance of the production of the model as if that were change. Oh yeah. I mean, like you see it when there was a panel speaking to Jamie Dimon and some of the other heads of bank in the U.S. They were saying, hey, reflect on the last 10 years after the, the economic collapse, you know, where do you feel you are? And, you know, Jamie Dimon said, well, we have this 10,000 women program that we started. We're very proud of it. Or you see this with Peace Corps NGO logic, where maybe it does help this village, but what it, whatever good it does in this pocket has more to do with the annual report that gets to have this nice section in it with like pictures of tents with that company's logo on it. It works as a representation of action. It works as a representation of action as opposed to a systemic change. Yes. Yeah. And, and so this is why I, I think it's on that level, but I think it's also, I guess, as I was to say, it's like this is unfortunately I think a lot of I mean, where, it, where art is in general. T totally. And you see the curating biennials or whatever, the tokenization of different discussions where they want to say, oh, we, we included this discussion. We included or that just discussion. a general sort of there's a representationism by which, like, by organizing the dollhouse it, in the exact, and yeah, the dollhouse of discourses in exactly the right yeah, yeah. way, then <laughs> the thing that this mechanism will do will be guaranteed to be mimetic to this arrangement. Right. Like somehow the the prefiguration guarantees the outcome. Right. And that's just not the way things work. Or they'll be able to claim in court later or under the eyes of whatever yeah, God they that believe too. in yeah, yeah. that and they also were right. Like, uh, like a total focus on metadata that people generate and who they follow, who they like, and then also just their biography and these kind of just adjacent information and that's yeah. sort of enough yeah. and that's, their, and that's, and that's, that's how the, you curate. And this ties back to the social media structure like where, right. the, where the, the performance right. and construction of self and agency 
operates within the same kind of logic. Whereas yeah. supposed to the agency, like what form of leverage might I have in order to produce this sort of change yeah. if the focus is on this, this fantastic construction of self as profile. Yeah. Do you see intentional differences in structure of the stack platforms in China and Russia, say, compared to GAFA? Or are they all kind of generally emulating that format? Within the social media platforms? Yeah, I would say if, I would say if there's something actually reflective or intentional to direct society towards a different end than perhaps the American stack yes yeah. So, I mean, yeah, WeChat is probably the, the, more, the most obvious example, which if your listeners aren't familiar with is a Chinese social media. It began as a gaming app with Tencent and then increasingly became part of the interest. There's sort of interesting architecture move is that you build apps inside the app. And so every little corner store or mom and pop outfit or sort of anything, anything has an app inside of, of this and also tying this to the QR code function. And so it basically made the social app into a banking app, into a transaction app. And that's really where we chat is unlike anything that exists. It is mobile banking. It's basically the primary social application for chat and it's the primary transactional thing. It's an interface to the city in ways in which social media apps in like Twitter or Instagram are not. Right. Th- th- there are ways in which I sort of like, I'll find moments and I will represent these moments to the spirit in the sky and to my friends and whatever. Whereas WeChat is actually like the means I used is like a remote control for my immediate habitat. Uh-huh. And I buy things and move things around with, it with WeChat Right. As this right. device structure, and this this is interesting. Facebook tried to do that at one point, that when it tried to become a platform for apps and also just like places and businesses and liking businesses, and I think they've moved away from that. But yeah. was that also for was regulat- that was- largely regulatory right. structure? I mean, this is also a little bit different. The difference here as well is in many cases, like you see this with five G a lot, is that you have a state system that basically said we're doing that, we're moving in this direction, and this a regulatory structure not only allows for it, it will enforce it and re- enforce these sort of in some cases these sort of monopolistic vectors to to do this, and so. It, in the U.S., there really wasn't. I mean, obviously, the technical capacity to build 5G systems is not an issue. There hasn't been any real mandate to integrate the tech companies and the cities and everybody else around this kind of structure. And so China just sort of went without interference. But you're right. And I could say it's the underlying regulatory structure that meant that, that Facebook wouldn't do that. Right. It couldn't go all the way. And the same right. reason most Western countries, banks can't make use of the data. Uh-huh. To actually right. provide other different kinds of services on right. top of it, whereas in in China it was just sort of mixed together. And again, I'm not necessarily advocating that this is yeah, of course, the just, way we want to go. But to answer your question, like yeah. there are differences within this, totally. But yes, then, there's different. There's there we're beginning to see a, a diverse. And this is maybe the good news on the hemispherical stacks is the is the possibility of a kind of divergence in the development of more regional vernaculars right. uh, around right. these sort of software systems, where it actually may promote heterogeneous innovation yeah. and interesting kinds of things that if it were really all amalgamated, you would never see. Maybe right. dance music will get interesting again. <laughs> more regional more regional dance ah, music true. styles yeah. again. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> New Models Core is its aggregation page found at newmodels.io. We also have a Patreon community that supports our podcasts and contributes via conversation in our private Discord. To join and get access to the Discord and our community-only discussion podcasts, visit patreon.com slash newmodels. With WeChat, you see that it could have this application to certainly the provinces in China, also Africa, because it is this mobile banking system where yes, one right. doesn't one has a virtual city 
available to them That's in right. a way that... In, in a ways that doesn't matter whether you're a citizen or not. Right, even. You have access to a meaningful infrastructural system regardless of how the state credentializes you as an yeah. actor. So WeChat is in Africa now? Sure. But yes, it, I mean, as the China stack begins to develop, you know, WeChat and Huawei are kind of like the mechanisms by which this explodes more. And it is notable that, yeah, like WeChat is available abroad, but other things are not available there. So if we want to like port into the Chinese system, we'll have to have WeChat, which is, of course, can be a bit of a Trojan horse on your phone. It is. Tracking it. Exactly. Oh, no, there's no doubt. It's sort of... I I think it's similar to how, uh, as part of the process of integrating Hong Kong, they made the railway system in Hong Kong that has a Chinese border guard within the limits, within, within Hong, Hong Kong. So you, yeah. go through, you go through security. Yeah, you have to port, you kind of port in that way. Mm-hmm. I think it's really similar. That it sort of seems like the Chinese model. And it's, yeah, the Belt and Road is the same thing, for sure. Building, building the, the rail, literal railway. Building the protocol it. structure around right. and to integrate this together. A, a, an interesting example of how that works, there's a project we did last year at the Shoka program about Korgos in Kazakhstan. So the railways, you can go all the way from the factories in China all the way to London, right. across right. across Eurasia and around this as well. It's just, it's huge. and the, of course these these arteries are getting built more and more and more. For the most part, it was interesting to us because a lot of these go through former Soviet states. But right on the China Kazakhstan border, there's a city called Korgos. There's a Chinese version in a Kazakhstan border. But and the, all the railroads in Kazakhstan, which is enormous yeah. country, are the old Russian rail systems. The Russian rail systems are slightly larger and right. wider than right. the rail systems in Europe and Asia on the other side. And this was deliberately done to prevent uh, colonial invasion. So even if the cities failed, like you couldn't send your trains into Russia to take over because our rail gauge was different. Isn't that so fascinating? And so this dynamic of porting and porting or preventing porting, (laughs) right? right? Uh, And and sort of making the compatibility or incompatibility at a platform scale, this is kind of what I mean when I'm saying that this political space and this technical space are the same thing, right? Yeah. Right, and and this in this protocol space. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right, right. Well, because in Kyrgyz, right, they have to move all the. That's right. So they take them off. The trains come. They, they have the city. It's a dry dock in a part of the earth that's that's furthest, furthest from, from any from ocean in the, right. the middle of the desert. And then there's a sort of special economic zone inside a special economic zone inside a special yeah. economic zone where all the containers get taken off one train, put on the other train, and then get sent to west. And then there's a place in Poland where the whole thing goes backwards. <laughs> wow. I mean, also similar in the Shenzhen Hong Kong border and you just switch the other side of the road at some point, which is really... Or the tunnel. Well, just like the UK from the right to the left. Yeah, no, this is the same one going from Hong Kong to Macau. Right, exactly. this as well. And that one's totally insane because there's Macau, China, and Hong Kong, which have three different, three different, like, you know, like, three different systems. Like, you get visas for this. It's just driving across the bridge. Right. It's like, you know, yes, it's like immigrating. I mean, there's still always be some sort of kind of global, like, black stack layer, right? Like Telegram with Russia couldn't block it, essentially. I mean, it's still... What's the question? They just like, blocked what? Deep Top Web. I mean, they're doing... I think there's a lot of concerted effort to break Tor. I feel like it's going to happen this year. Well, there, as Tor's already... Con- there's already... Well, compromise, sure, but like darknet markets were operating up until this year, and now it's finally right, actually hard. Yeah, it is but hard. But darknet is maybe just human net. Maybe that is like Sneaker off net. stack but, um, I mean, whatever. Any, we have... What are thoughts about where that underground or that gray or black economy is happening, or just Bohemia even? I mean, like an area right. that's that's somehow del, you know delineates space outside of the sack. I mean, zone. crime and dr- illegal drugs is still one fifth of the global economy. Like you know, it's like they, it's also. I mean, also I would say tax avoidance and tax haven yeah, is, totally. is, is, yeah. is all. That's the that's that's, that's the big black stack. I mean, the, yeah. I mean, sure. the idea that I mean, yeah, I mean. Dutch, uh, Dutch, Dutch Irish drug all aside, it's yeah. nothing compared to the Cayman Islands. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> okay, true. But I, I think one of the things you're seeing is that 
you know, a lot of the ways in which, and, and you're right, the concerted effort also in Russia to sort of the, to break the territorial yeah. layer and the issue of Telegram, they've got this new internet sovereignty law where they're trying to figure out whether or not they can actually, you know, the conditions by which they could delink from the rest of the government, all this. Right. You're seeing a, you know, and the argument I was sort of making in the book about how clouds be taking on roles of the state, all, simultaneously states taking on roles of the cloud, yeah. that you've got on the one hand, a it, some of it is a dynamic of, of trying to, Assign territoriality in particular ways. That there's ways in which the state system is trying to identify like this user is in this site, the data that's being generated is sovereign to us, yeah. it's circumscribed in these boundaries. Whereas Tor systems, VPN systems, I mean, fundamentally what they're kind of about is is, is shifting the locative identity of users, right. but shifts the kind of regime that would that would work themselves yeah. out. And so just the fact that you're pretending to be in Hong Kong, or you're pre pretending to be in South Korea, or you're pretending to be in wherever it is you're logging in through your VPN while you're in China, the act itself is a way of trying to remap, is, is a remapping. A hundred percent. Yeah, a hundred percent. And so, exactly. yeah, there's these counter cartographies. So that's where you find this kind of uh, like underground. The scrambling it's of right, the scrambling. There's the scrambling of these cartographies. And it's just incoherence. Is like incoherent nation state is like or a zone of yeah. of, of uh, like regional affiliation is where you then. Yeah, and again, I'm not saying that that's necessarily like a positive. No, this is the same way. It's the same way with cruise right. ships work, where they're like they have a you know port of convenience in oh, one right. place or a company that's based in Cayman Islands or Apple in Ireland. Right. But the scrambling of territorial specificity. Yeah. In terms of gaming, it's just like this is. I think this is where there's occlusion of the, the way in which this hemispherical system gets evaded. And you're seeing that at the highest level. So you're seeing that. I mean, you're seeing that by Apple. You're seeing that right. by you know Apple's tax strategy is a giant VPN. Absolutely, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> totally. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. But I wonder if though, if Cayman Island type scenarios will eventually get scaled down to the individual. Like it is. E of course. Citizenship yeah. with Estonia kind yeah, of totally. right, right. works totally. like that, right? And th that's that's exactly sort of. This is super interesting. Where it's what are we defining states and the role of states are as a kind of the publics and like how it, like what could they do? You know, not everyone really like, really is excited about the idea of like paying taxes to a Baltic country they're never going to go to <laughs> as like as like the future of theirs. Like, so, however, the, just the basic idea that different kind of political bodies and different kind of political structures and the forms of identity and identification and capacity of injury is, is something that these systems can actually innovate in relationship to. Yeah. This, this is this is in principle, I think, it, really interesting news. But it's not about tax avoidance. I think it's more. The only thing is more about. It's, about, it's, it's, it's expanding the capacities of participation. So where in Europe you've got the credential of citizenship is increasingly about an exclusion. Also, you know, we talk about UBI and the ways in which UBI is being used by the right as a sort of a basis of a kind of exclusion. Like right. if yeah. you are a citizen, you get this dividend. Right. If you're not a citizen, you don't. Right. And so this dividend becomes a basis of making this ex this sort of drawing a line of uh, And it's also exclusion. only on the level of whether or not you're a citizen. It's not about need or any kind of other no, more specific identity. No, it's identity. It's identity. It's identity. It's identity. Exactly right. It's a way of identifying by amplifying citizen as this basic thing, which is, now if you think, but where the Estonian thing is interesting is it basically, it, is, it extends the capacity of citizenship. Right. It uses the device of citizen to be incorporative, to actually make it more available to more people than it would have otherwise been before. And yeah. this, this is the vector that is probably more interesting to explore. We're doing a project this year at Shoka that's about sort of personalized deep fakes. Huh. You know, like if you look at YouTube, where you've got this sort of, you, know, you could just log onto YouTube and it'll make an endless movie just for oh, you, yeah, based, based on your, what your search history and Go everything else you sort of like know about it. But but the idea is basically is that you sort of take the this this culture of live streaming of the sort of per, of the sort of personalized endless structure of cinema the kind of endless movie just for you yeah. uh, based on this huge repository of, of, of files from YouTube and the GANs which are generating fake content and you could have imagined an amalgamation of these where there's just you just log on you hit play and it's like the the, the forever movie just for you yeah that's an amalgamation of like everything we already know you want to you want to see yeah but it's actually just you you're just featured in it and it's just like you the be, Sims that you but could it's be, just you you could, be, you could be featured in right, it or exactly. maybe just 
it's or it's not. it's like yeah. there's some aspect of this yeah. from this thing, from that thing, from that thing, then wandering Travolta shows up or something. You know, there's ways in which that it can be you, you could be in it or not, you right. could be in it or not in it, but it, the point is is that it's just it's a you, sort of endless right. per, endless personalized okay. synthetic yeah, synthetic like, cinema for each wow. and each and Deep fake as service is gonna be I mean, I think there'll be lots of businesses that start up. I mean, I know people right. who are trying to do that already. Yeah, um, definitely. For putting people in their own scenarios? Yeah, I mean I think it would be for that thing. I mean I I mean I theorize that the first like Impactful defake will be an intentional false flag. It'll be a politician doing that, and because then it's afterwards, not the Pelosi thing doesn't count. Oh, yeah. I guess so that maybe that counted a little bit. Oh, but there has been other like slowing down and editing things. It's not. A, it wasn't a deep fake, was oh, it? The Pelosi thing right. wasn't it? Just a well, it's transitional. Yeah, but I think like it'll be like the purpose of calling it a deep fake using that technology, and then basically it won't be that people will not know what to believe. Is that people will not believe anything, and then right. all documentation will be suspect well, in a way it, that'll be know, great. James Vital, so, right? Like, it'll be the, the, the final solution. For for forensics is in that it's is is pretty effective for them, right? I mean, but on the on the level of the personal of like belief, right? Of just having to run video forensics and just everything. like it'll be a well, per, Facebook the perfect the alibi automate. for politicians forever. And right. now on a much deeper level than they already can have an alibi. You can imagine the platforms basically having to develop an algorithm that automatically detects deep fakes and well, then puts an, an arm, arm on then every there's video, an arms right? race, of course. It'll always be an arms race. Like, right. What is an arms race? But yeah, I mean, if there's some, if you think any sort of like there's some kind of objective reality that the, right. that the measurement of in some way could be useful, like for example, modeling climate change, the idea of deep fake climate data right. it just doesn't doesn't seem like a good path no. one way or another. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's, that's, right. that's Volkswagen. Right, yeah. um, deep fake. Vo- deep, yeah. deep, deep Volkswagen is deep fake climate. Ca- uh, yeah. What are they called? Yeah, defeat, totally. defeat device. Yeah, I love, defeat I love device. that term. I mean, like obviously, there's so many elements of evil corporate actions, but that one just seemed specifically but, despicable. You know, to it's me. U- like universal. Yeah, the no, it's a car thing. They, sure. they, 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 like every there was. It wasn't just. It's like all the they companies got caught. were doing shit like this. Right. Well, they got caught, and then they got caught again, and something that was about that yeah. was what made it so just like. Extra vile. Of course, it's just like they're doing their duty in a way. I guess That's growth. Yeah, I mean, it's a capital. Yeah, the AI did it. But I do think maybe it is something very specific to like German corporate culture. Like, look at Deutsche Bank as all. There's like there's oh, something yeah. like extra ruthless. Well, about. I think it's because of the shame of not accomplishing what you're supposed to. I just think Germans take <laughs> things to their logical conclusions too far. The, 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 fam- the famines and the Great Leap Forward. Yeah. <laughs> little you know middle management producing numbers of bounty right. that were totally fictional. It is helpful to have this macro framework now of this is just growing pains for the planet at large, planetary growing pains, and it makes these like Volkswagen mm-hmm. gaffes seem like well part of this part of this process. I mean, I guess one the danger is to then just sort of throw up your hands and be like, what can we actually do? You know, well, any, I, yeah, you know, I think that's, that's the risk a, of calling us a geological feature or any of these things is of course you you kind of like are limiting the idea of of individual. Agency and maybe that's true, but it's like, is that a use? Is that a useful, or is that actually just going to hinder? I think it just. I think progress. it's. A, it's a, I, to me, it's just sort of a. It's, it's just. It's true. kind of a baseline fact. It yeah. does, it's, it's, it's just yeah. a kind of a baseline thing. It's like right. I don't know that it, you know what the implications are at the level of, of agency or, or one's own sense of one's own agency. Yeah. I think can go, go, go. You know, it's it's undetermined by this. I don't think it's it solved the sort of question. I think it does shift the questions of where we would locate. You know, the, the questions of relationships of anthropogenic systems versus non-anthropogenic systems, like where these agencies sort of go. And I think some of it also has to do with uh, of, again, a sort of rethinking how we think about the artificial. Right. right. So, so one one right. of the things I've been is it thinking about the artificial less as a kind of um, as a sort of the opposite of fake, yeah. Going connect, connecting with this yeah. sort of discussion, but rather the artificial as something that has a kind of deliberate deliberate design within it. So like think of it more like um, 
like when astronomers are listening to stuff from radio telescopes, and it's just, mostly it's a lot of noise, but then there's some statistical model, but it will show that like this section is too regular. Yeah, yeah, right, that right, 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 been right, deliberately right. Just, yeah. That's artificial. Yeah, right. Or archaeologists will look at two rocks and say, like, okay, this one's just a rock, but this one, three million years ago, this is a stone axe, because you see the art, the, like the, yeah. the regularity right. of these chip marks that sort of, right. so lately I've just been trying to collect as many examples of, sort of ways in which we try to detect the artificial oh, quality of this yeah. as well um, as a way of trying to think through like, the implications of what we're calling anthropogenic yeah, within climate yeah, change yeah. and the sort of inevitably apophenic conditions <laughs> like was that tornado caused by climate change right. or was right. that not right. caused by climate change like where, where the boundary of the anthropogenic and non-anthropogenic right. is with this as well right. uh, but if we're geological then there's no delineation I mean how do you make I mean how do yeah, you make yeah, the yeah. delineation no, no, I, I think there's you know, a useful one that you have to try to make but it's going to be an art an artificial delineation. It, 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 yeah, it is for it's sure. a deliberate it, delineation. It is for sure. So, it, yeah. definitely, it definitely sort of like, thing, it definitely yeah. one goes inside the other yeah, around, right, around this right. sort of thing as well. But I think maybe one of the implications of this as well is is to sort of having to deal with issues of climate change is to make us much more suspicious of latent or explicit forms of naturalistic fallacy. That there's some sort of like, you know, that the going back to nature, direct yeah. communion with yeah. plants or sort of, uh, sort of working away from these things that we explicitly identify with, with, with culture. I mean, on the one hand, it's, I think maybe have a little bit of sort of easier for us to think about the ways in which the nature culture divide in itself was a was a specific historically specific ideological construction oh, 100% at a yeah. very point in time and that really to Daniel's point that there is ultimately really no such thing as as nature per se right, right? it's all right. these kinds is of it carbon it's all or no carbon and it's all these kinds of processes working together one way or yeah. another but the other side of that the implication is then there's no such thing as culture right on the other side of divide and what that means is that all of these things that we identify as cultural phenomenon yeah. from opera to Whatever else yeah. are are this is just a very very complex form of biosemiotics. I don't know. I, I guess I think that by, by sort of reframing the terms of our participation and the terms of sense by which we understand ourselves in relationship to these systems, yeah. in relation to this fun, this sort of ba- this sort of shift in sort of a baseline understanding, yeah. does have implications for what how we think about where we are and what comes next. Right. And tuning into these other forms of intelligence, also like seeing ourselves as part of the system. Um, yeah, perhaps. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it occurred to me then. So when when we're looking for the artificial, as I understand it, it's basically humans looking at chaos, trying to find aberrations, like periods of order within chaos. Artificial basically means like humans have. Sort of like a statistically implausible regularity. Exactly, sure. and that maybe humans. So there's almost like a narcissism to it. Like looking for the artificial is like looking at something that humans have somehow affected. I think on a really well, my, I have a really just basic question. So much of what you talk about is basically seeing things on really macroscopic view, which is harder than most people think. And I feel like especially with the online and social media space, like scope is so flattened, and mm-hmm. it, yeah. it's. It's actually and time, time, re- yeah. and time, and spa- space. I mean, everything and is emotions, flattened. Yeah. But I, I just wonder. I mean, also uh, since you're a teacher as well. I mean, are there just particular exercises or pedagogy that is helpful to get people to think in a more scope aware? Yeah fashion because yeah the, I mean I, the, yes I mean, the way I try to do this in most whether it's in any of the classes is actually start with something that seems far too constrained you've set up with something like we're gonna here's a blank page or we're gonna try to you know Swallow the cosmos or something like this. You get you get nothing, especially with younger students. You get absolutely nothing with them because they end up sort of defaulting to what they think is like the least likely wrong possible way to intervene with them. It's like you get much more creativity 
working with people if you give them very specific constraints to work against. And ones in which there aren't necessarily, com and the more important thing is also ones in which we don't have a common sense, we understand what the constraints are, but we don't have an available common sense for how to deal with those constraints. Right. We kind of have to make it up. And, and then within this, then you can bring in all kinds of stuff, right? And, then, and essentially everything is, is, is fair game. To kind of to work with. Can you give an example of something? That's yeah. So I mean, so, I mean, the example I sort of come back to in terms of like, I mean, because a lot of the, I, you know, my work is, you know, for the philosophy crowd, I'm the design and computer science guy, and the computers crowd, I'm the philosophy and design guy, <laughs> right. and so I've always sort of related to this. But within design, I, you know, there's argument around constraints and things like, you know, the the example that I think probably people are familiar with is the the signage around the Yucca, Yucca Mountain Nuclear Waste Deposit uh, yeah. Site competition, which was, we're going to bury this nuclear waste there, we're going to put in the salt mines, but theoretically in 10,000 years, somebody or something might try to try to dig this up. What kind of signage should we put around this that would tell people not to dig this up? Right. Okay. This is an extremely practical, functional problem that the only way in which you should solve is to become so like insanely hyper-functionalist in your response <laughs> that the only thing you can come up with is something completely alien and, 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 unex and unexpected. Because you have to deal with questions like, what's a sign? Who's going to be looking at this? Yeah. Like, how do you, what is it, what is this? Is there a universal semiotics of danger? If you put the universal semiotics of danger, does that mean they're more likely, they're more likely to dig there because they think it's some, like, you know, tomb of the king or something like this, right? <laughs> like, you put a big skull and crossbones, you're like, aha, okay, cool. this, this yeah. is what, we'll find two in common on this, right? And so the point was like from this constraint and from the fact that there isn't any structural common sense, you have to come up with something that like they would never possibly think through in other, in, in, under the other sort of circumstances. But again, it's also that there's a functionality to the response, right? You can't just say, I'm going to put a windmill or I'm going to put a tent or I'm going to put something whimsical. It, it's the hyper-functionality that actually causes the most creative response. Yeah. Which is not necessarily the way... Art and design is usually taught, where it's more sort of like, you know, we're going to try to sideline function, functionality, and that will allow for a creative response. We're not going to give you restraints, so that's going to allow for a creative response. I think for me, it's constraints and function, but in a way in which we don't understand the relationship between them mm -hmm. and what the relationship could be between them. That's how you get interesting things. And then you can throw anything you want at them. You can like, we, well, you got to think, we have to deal with deep time. We have to deal with, right. you know, like everything we know about, you know, different forms of, of, of linguistic cognition. We have to know, you know, all the sorts of things that you could bring into this problem. They're no longer esoteric discourse. They actually become part of how you actually deal with the world really directly and materially. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> You've got a new book that you have a couple of smaller books with Mervavalag. Six and then, book projects. Oh my gosh. And then you have a, a sort of a much larger sort of the follow-up to this, not follow-up, yeah. the next. So real, of, real quickly, yeah. there's a follow-up book to the stack, which is large, which right now is sort of discussion around the artificial is a kind of framing device yeah. for this, but then it goes into a lot of discussions around AI and, and, yeah. and all other things we've been talking about here as well. A lot of which has been written. It's more of a matter of sort of, you know, there's like 80,000 words. So now I, but that took, it, like the way I write something is I'll have to write the whole book to figure out like what the whole book sure, is about, and so then I, now I have to go back and like now, like now that I know what I'm doing, I have to rewrite the whole right. thing. There's a huge, big book book we're doing on the sort of the work that's come out of the New Normal program at Strelka, cool. which will be a big like 500 page coffee table book with uh, Nick Axel. We're working with editing this. What we're talking about the hemispherical stacks. There's a project we're also doing with Arthur Steiner and Leonardo Delianos from Volume. Uh -huh. um, that's a series of events we've been doing at the New Institute in Rotterdam, trying to map these hemispherical stacks. So we did one event on Russia, Russian stack, Gulf stack, Europe stack, and China sort of coming up. And that's going to be an edited volume of the of different essays around the hemispherical stack. And thesis. that's this fall, or we've already started these events, okay. uh, yeah. and so we're now trying to find the right publisher match for that. There's this book of Bratton Thought, which we're editing with Armin, which is a collection of older. Of, Armin, so 
Ivan Essays. Of, of existing essays that will be translated into German, Russian, and Chinese. There's the book on a sort of edited volume of key texts in the Western philosophy of artificial intelligence that will be translated into Chinese. Alan uh, Turing, etc. Turing, Hinton, uh, yeah. a lot of newer things uh, as well. And most of this isn't in Chinese. And, and the, again, the idea for this is that no two cultures will define the artificial the same way. Right. And they won't define intelligence the same way. And so the cross-cultural discussion of like, what do we mean? And also because in AI, uniquely as a form of technology, is, its history is one in which phil- philosophical thought experiment and actual technology inform each other very quickly. Like there's sure. a thought experiment that becomes a technology that becomes a thought experiment that becomes a technology. And so the role of how these technologies are framed philosophically is really important to understand. And I don't think this dialogue is, is happening. So this is part. And then there's a, a book that's coming out of a, of a research project we were doing with Google's Artificial Machine Intelligence that has to do with how cities see themselves. Uh-huh. It's sort of looking at machine vision at urban scale in relationship to camouflage and predator-prey dynamics. The, oh, the wow. idea that, that the design, design evolution of the surfaces in the city will be informed by how they strategize being seen or not seen oh, wow. by other synthetic forms of machine vision in that city. And that these will end up when designs look really weird to us, but are super functional for those regions. And so we're like, what would they look like? Right. And so there's a book that comes out of that. Wow. Whirlwind. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> Benjamin, how do you manage your time so effectively? Do you have any yeah, time management some, like, tips for productivity? Uh, what's your stack, actually? What's your nootropic stack? (laughs) Caffeine, theanine, you got some modafinil maybe? I'll try different things. (laughs) Try different things, yeah. Uh, Jet lag. Part of this as well. Yeah. No, I, I, have, I honestly have really good people collaborating with really good people yeah. on this as well. And so, no, I, I just, I get to do what I like to do. So I'm, I'm happy. Well, thank you so much for making yeah. time to speak yeah. with us. Oh, no, this We're is great. I, I, was just, you know, I, I listened to the cast quite a bit, you know, flying hither and yon. So oh, yeah. I, 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 We're we, great we, in airport checkout lines. We, we've been in conversation. <laughs> you know, I've been listening to conversation <laughs> on flights a lot. So it's really nice to, to, to sit with you guys. I really appreciate the invitation. Well, thank you so much. And yeah, check out. Our, our site will have all the information to point you towards all these publications as they come out and uh, I guess by the time this comes out the Armin Avanesian talks will that are happening at Volksmina this weekend will will they be archived somewhere or I, I assume so okay yeah. if not the books will in, in a sense reflect some of that material so yes. check out for them okay well thanks cool. a lot thank Great. you <laughs> Again, a huge thank you to Benjamin Bratton for joining us. We are really, really grateful to be able to have this conversation and share it with you. Time for shout-outs now. Taylor Wagstaff, Stegen Kraska, Novambra Magazine, Philip Morgan, Miriam J. Carranza, Dennis Pohl, Christopher Gurka, Cody Brown, Stephen Warwick, Stephanie Wakefield, Yena Sutella, Marty Kaliala, Villa Haimala, Sydney Smith, Alex Iadarola, Alex Scrimger, Liz Pelly, Eric Palm, At Spring Break 1944, Lawrence Stewart, Pierce Myers, Joanna Pope, Dean Kissick, Kelton Sears, John, Rachel Haywire, Zeno Francini, Yuri Patterson, Philip Eckhart, Cade, At Terrence, At Agonism, At Pierce, At Maybe Julia, At Caring, At American Rory 2003, At Arb, At Tranquility 2099, at Pink Cadillac, at Matt D, at CL, at Tide, at Bradley, at Lawrence 4000, at Everyday Pain, and at Exhumed, Joshua Citarella, Sybil Prentice, Anka Deuce, Josephine Pride, and Duncan Wilson. If you want to contribute links, suggestions, ideas, you can reach us at desk at newmodels.io or use the form on our site at newmodels.io. 